Today is March 9th, 2017, and we are beginning the chapter titled, The Promise That Is Never Kept. And in some ways this is a very simple chapter, um, which Joko... Um, in the opening paragraph makes very clear that this chapter is about not so much promises but desires and desires and the um, consequences or sequelae of what we do with desires or what desires do to us, um, especially when we don't see clearly what they are. And the troubles that we sometimes create because of where we look to fill our desires. Um, or as she puts it on the second page, 46, that the problem is that nothing actually works. We begin to, to discover that the promise we hold out to ourselves, that somehow, somewhere, our thirst will be kept quenched, is never kept. Um, because to go a few sentences later, what we want is something absolute. We want to quench our thirst permanently. And, and the fundamental aspect of our life, and if we use Buddhist terms, we could say in terms of the three characteristics of life, is ongoing change, which means nothing's going to be fundamentally quench permanently, not fixed, permanent, separate self, which again means that desires, thirsts cannot be quenched permanently, and the inherent unsatisfactoriness of life, or I should say it differently, the inability of ongoing change to satisfy us, or what we could say, the fact that ongoing change will result in us being dissatisfied, even suffering, because of just the way it is. And what we do, and what Joko is trying to point out, is by trying to find things externally, in conditions, circumstances, people, and so forth, to satisfy this thirst, in believing the thirst, we're going to have problems, and we're going to do things um, that create harm for us and for others. Or, as she says on the bottom of the page, 
Practice has to be a process of endless disappointment. We have to see that everything we demand eventually disappoints. Or, if I say it, if we have appointments, we are guaranteed to always have disappointments. Not that there's anything problematic having appointments or um, looking for things, but if we hold on to those and believe the disappointment, if we suffer because of the disappointment, if we harm ourselves or others because of that, then we get in trouble, rather than accepting, as she puts it, the discovery of disappointments as our teacher. Okay, I don't want to say too much more because you've all read this chapter and I'd rather we deal with this from what and how you practiced with this, how you understand it or have difficulty with this, because that's what the valuable part of this chapter is. It's a long chapter and there's a lot in it, but the fundamental points are very straightforward. So I'll stop now and throw it open to you all. opportunity to see the appointment and if we use her language the possible disappointment or reaction to the disappointment of how they are or are not with it or how even it doesn't even uh, enter it, it sort of passes them by without any reaction or response yeah or not the response I thought but uh-huh. that's okay because then I get to see the reality Yes. Of my experience with that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, and we have that opportunity because the universe of our life keeps offering us opportunities of responding with appointment or disappointment. Um, 
if we are willing to be present, if we are willing to embrace what arises. Or, to use the language that Joko uses, if we are willing not to separate ourselves, but rather to be joined, or I would say intimate, as the moment is. Or is not, as the moment is not. Good. I'm interested to hear how you, Faye already indicated it for herself, but how did this, what's in this chapter, come up in your practice this week or before that? Anyone? Well, I, uh, I was actually, as you and as Faye were talking, I was just thinking about, uh, like last. Hello? Hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Uh, we just got some feedback. I didn't know what was going on. Um, but so last week I was really sick. Sicker, you know, with a bad cold type sick that I've been for a long time. And I, I, I know that I, I mean. And I'm still dealing with it, but but I'll I'll tell you, I took off work last week, and I had this this deadline by which this bad cold had to be done. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. So um, and you know I'm an hourly employee too, so there was a financial you know motivator there for me as well, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, if you're sick, you're sick. If you can't go to work, you can't go to work. And, you know, it's it's just what we're talking about here. And I was just sort of thinking that about that and, and uh, sort of trying to apply uh, what I am still learning about that in, in the, you know, through the lens of this chapter. Uh-huh. That, that's very good. I mean, there's a phrase somewhere, um, Joko picks up that someone brings up about feeling betrayed. Some people feel betrayed by their body or by by their condition. (laughs) As if that makes sense. But nevertheless, we believe it. That's exactly what I've been feeling. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And that we could hold on to that is just the fact of the way our appointments and disappointments or expectations seem so natural and true and valid and how we can create additional trouble because of that. <laughs> Not only are we, can we be physically sick, but we can be upset about how physically sick we are. page 48 where she's answering questions from students yes uh, and uh, somebody says I've been sitting for a long time I shouldn't be angry anymore <laughs> and I love it when she says if you're angry you're angry uh-huh. you know, and I sometimes when I 
lose my patience with uh, my son-in-law or with <laughs> with family situations. You know, I feel badly about myself. I feel I shouldn't. This shouldn't be happening. Uh, and and I just keep adding on top of yes. What, you know, I'm adding on. Yeah, and, and I, uh, if you're angry, you're angry. And there's a difference between being angry and what we do as a result of that. And that's important for us to be able to see that difference so that at some point we could notice what we're doing and decide whether I should continue doing this just because I'm angry. Or I've been doing this and now what do I need to do since I've discovered I'm angry and I'm doing this thing that... Maybe I need to somehow rectify or change or do something about. But not getting angry, telling ourselves I shouldn't be angry doesn't really help any more than telling ourselves I shouldn't be sick helps being uh, when we're sick. Now, there's all sorts of things we could do when we're sick, and that can include doing things to help ourselves um, through physical and mental um, actions or uh, activities. But telling ourselves I shouldn't be sick usually doesn't work. Just like telling ourselves I shouldn't be angry doesn't work. <laughs> when I had experience uh, two weeks ago, I went to a retreat in Houston. Yes. And the retreat, I arrived a, a day before because I was in charge of the getting uh, the beds and the ready so I am right there I uh, let me know that the, the, the teacher has an accident and they will cancel the retreat <laughs> and I was oh no <laughs> And suddenly, not, not knowing now what I'm going to do. Good. Because you put in your mind that you're thinking that you're going to do something, and suddenly you don't. And I was, okay, I can go back. I can stay. What am I, what am I, I, I stay. So, so the next happened is that situation, what I figured out that was my uh, disappointment of not having the retreat even though I tried to, uh, to ask the rest of the people that maybe we can still sit in and have the retreat they say well no there's no possibilities so they cancel the retreat anyway so um, but on the other hand uh, that made me angry because I was not be able to see it and I was so um, 
looked at a friend and she was willing to sit with me. So I start sitting part of the day. And also I figured out that, uh, well, there was a lot of food that we have to donate it. But then we have to also uh, figure out uh, what to do with the rest of the food that will stay or we can conserve. So we dry, start drying a lot of tomatoes, a lot of retreat that you had wasn't the one you planned, and yet if you make use of it and made use of it, then you got to practice all the better with the circumstance that the universe provided with you, for you. And that's what we need to do, despite the fact that we plan how it's going to be, sometimes the universe plans differently. And and this is this is the point that Joko's making is that it's not about what the circumstances or conditions are, but how we develop the capacity and skill and willingness to practice with the conditions as they arise, as we begin to understand what our practice is and what our part or our effort is of returning, so to speak, to life as this moment is. And we get the circumstances both inside and outside that keep offering us this opportunity and also keep uh, exposing how much we want to fix for ourselves, the idea of what the circumstance of our practice should be in, in the face of reality. And that's the point of um, the, the, the title that she uses, the promise that is never kept. In other words, the promise is what we tell ourselves about how it's supposed to be. And it's never kept because reality, in a way, because we make those promises to ourselves because we create those appointments reality keeps offering us the ongoing change opportunity of being 
experiencing or maintaining awareness as as the universe moment is, as our life moment is. So that you had a wonderful retreat, better than they planned. <laughs> and there's still a point of planning the retreat and doing our best and we get what the universe offers. Let us hear some of the others who haven't spoken. I find that sometimes when I'm planning to sit down and watch a television show or something, um, and and it gets towards the uh, crucial episode ending, and right when I'm ready to watch that, my dog will come up and want to go outside. (laughs) (laughs) And it happens almost every time. it's, It's like the universe is telling me, hey, don't be so involved. it's much simpler than that it's your dog reminding you to practice (laughs) (laughs) as um, Joko says we have problems but there's no problem in dealing with them there are things that we can call problems and here such a simple minor one is the dog is showing up when you don't want it to show up. Yeah. And there's no problem dealing with that. Whether you make the dog wait and you get the consequence of that, I don't know what, <laughs> whether your rug will like that consequence or you get up and you just notice how much you want to know the ending of the program and you won't have it. Or you set up a recorder to record it whenever you want, or whatever. But it's not the specific, but how we are when the so-called problem appears. And that's a good signal to us. When we think there's a problem, that's a signal to look at what's the practice right here. See, that's what we need, because these habits are so strong. Whether we call it a problem, or whether we call it a disappointment, or an upset or anger or we all have these wonderful um, reminders of the universe that uh, called our life reminding us here's practice opportunity but we need to tune into it because we would rather believe the reminder in terms of its face value of how it fits with our beliefs than to take it as it really is, which is a practice opportunity of experiencing this moment that doesn't fit our beliefs and thoughts or promises of how the universe is going to be for the next five minutes, the next hour, how the dog's going to be, how my body's going to be, how my neighbors are going to be, how my... and you fill in. So that's all great. None of us like this, but it's great. Because that means that we always have support for practice if we're present. And that's really what we could say our practice or Zen practice is about. 
is being the life that we are. Or, as Joko puts it, simply returning to life as it is. Returning from our daydream or our belief or our habitual reaction, whether it's anger, fear, upset, disappointment, or worse. Certainly worse when we're putting it out onto someone else, whether it's our dog or a person or ourself. So, how have some of you, others of you, have um, worked with this or seen this? Well, I'm trying, I'm sitting here trying to think of a time when I didn't work with this. <laughs> uh, because it, I have a, a question. I also have an um, that it's not clear in my mind. Um, it, it seems, in my experience, my day-to-day experience, and then, you know, you compare that, you read Joko's words, and then you try and think about your life and how this relates to that. It seems to me that, you know, what she's not she's not talking about a problem that. We, we, we need to overcome in making plans and having expectations and hopes and desires because in my life it seems that's, that's a fundamental dimension of what it means to be a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, the suffering comes in is when we, like, like I think you alluded to and she's talking about, is when we're not aware that that's what's going on and when we're not paying attention and when we believe our our stories um, about you know what what that means and what it should and shouldn't be. Um, but having desires and making plans and, and you know having hopes, I think is is a very in a way it can be a joyous thing. It can be a very um, uh, a nice aspect about being a human being, unless we turn it against ourselves. Yeah. And then, it causes us and others to suffer. Yes. Unfortunately, we turn it against ourselves when, as to use the example um, that, or the analogy she gives of putting uh, a hose into a, fa- a faucet or into a wall to get something from it, we put in, we get something, and then all of a sudden it, ceased, it ceases to give us what we wanted. Um, Whether it's in the example of going to a retreat that we expected to be a certain way and we show up and the retreat's supposed to be the way it is and it isn't. The teacher's sick. um, What? No retreat ever is. (laughs) That, 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 That doesn't stop us from expecting them to be. It's the same... We, we go home and we expect our family to be a certain way when we come in the door. And they are or they aren't. And when they aren't, what happens? We sit down and watch, the, watch a TV program and expect to be able to get through the whole thing. And whether it's the dog or whether it's a phone call or whether it's even the TV that stops working for 
all of a sudden, just when you were getting to the good part, um, all of a sudden, the universe, because it's always changing, whether it's the universe even of our body, and waking up in the morning and not feeling the way I'm supposed to feel, whether we call it being sick or something else. Um, there's lots of examples that people give in, in, in this chapter, in, this discu- in the discussion with Joko, but we don't need examples from others. If we look closely at our own life, we can see where the upset or the disappointment or arises. And if we notice it, then we could notice the um, unkept promise for a moment, which is a good, good opportunity to practice, a good opportunity to experience, because experiencing, in a sense, gives us the richness of our life, opens up for a moment more the richness of our life that's there, so it's because we have that disappointment that in a sense allows us to remember and be reminded of the quenching water of our life moment. That's another part of that, that's important to know. Um, yeah, and, and she talks about belief systems. Yeah. Which, and, and I, I was kind of glad to see that that in a couple of places she says that, you know, we think we can get rid of our belief systems, but there's always another one under that one. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I think that's an important thing to remember, that the problem is not our belief systems, because we're bound to have belief systems of one sort or another. It's, it's not being attentive to and aware of our belief systems. What we're believing about what a retreat should be and what what the end of the show should be. I mean, what if uh, Ken had told the dog, go go lay down and shut, leave me alone, and then the end of the show was not what he wanted it to be, not what he expected it to be. I mean, even then, he got to see his show, but it didn't fit his belief of what a good show should be. I mean, right there is an opportunity. Um, but to, to, to believe that we're, to have a belief system that we're going to get rid of our belief systems, I think is heading in the wrong direction. Yes. It, it's nice to be able to see when we are caught up. And we can always see it if we feel anger or if we feel upset or depression or the various other ways that we emotionally react. Those are opportunities to take a look. There there isn't any specific thing you're looking for, but to look in the sense of being present and to seeing what you're saying, doing, feeling in the moment. And seeing it is not in order to change it, not in order to think about it or figure it out, but so that it can allow you to be 
present, to be the life moment. And in a way I, we could say to be bigger than the belief story about the life moment. Of course, that's just explaining it. But When she says here on page 49 on that first, in the middle of that first paragraph about uh, at present practice, the only promise that we can count upon is that when we wake up to our lives, we'll be free of persons. Yes. She's talking about being free from our becoming more free from our beliefs running us around? Yes. Free free from um, the reactive upsets and hurts that come with holding to come when we're holding to the beliefs. When we act out the beliefs. Yes. That's the sense of freer. Freer meaning we can be this moment life without feeling the visceral, emotional, physical, mental um, clutches of the beliefs. Because they are that. If we're attentive, we could notice how our beliefs manifest in, in the various shades and facets of, it is, of being alive, of our being alive. Because that's what they are. They're part of our being alive. Yeah. Freer in the sense that when we sit Zazen, we are, can notice sometimes that we allow ourselves to be the experiencing moment and it, in a sense, it keeps opening. Again, I'm using that word and I don't want us to get caught on the word or that it, Zazen is supposed to be a certain way. But there is a sense, sometimes, of sitting, being opening in a way that's different than before we were sitting. I don't want to say too much so because if we get trapped with the word freer, then we have an idea, create an expectation, an appointment of how it's supposed to be when I practice, I'm supposed to be freer, but how come I got angry? I'm not a freer person, like Mary brought up. We are freer, and freer means free to, to feel anger too. It's more difficult to be uh, to catch ourselves when we're not sitting than when we are, or other things too. At least for myself, I find that because it seems like it's it's when when sitting when I'm sitting that things are a little bit slower. Mm. But not not all the time, but just that usually things are going slower, so I can catch some of these things. Otherwise, when I'm not sitting, I, it's, it's more easily for me to get caught up in stuff and and start uh, you know uh, being pulled around by various upsets and desires and demands and whatever that comes up. Okay. And then at some point you notice it. Yes, yeah. Good. Sometimes and at, at the <laughs> at the point you notice it, that's it. That's when there's something to do, as opposed to some idea I should have noticed it five minutes ago, or I should have not become angry, or I shouldn't have spoken that way. You can say that I shouldn't have spoken that way to someone. You could turn that around and 
go apologize if that's appropriate. Nevertheless, you did speak that way, and therefore, apology is appropriate. Um, but holding on to I shouldn't have, and then beating ourselves up with the I shouldn't have, is just creating more appointments that we're going to disappoint ourselves with, um, as opposed to being willing to experience that disappointment um, or being willing to have that unmet promise. I'm thinking about, and this struck me right at the beginning, um, that's the third sentence. There are two kinds of desires. Demands, I have to have it, and preferences. Uh-huh. Preferences are harmless. Yeah. We can have as many as we want. Desire that demands to be satisfied is the problem. Yes. I've got an example. I'm trying to cut some of the sugar out of my diet. I really have a sweet tooth. Well, I've sort of eaten up all the sweet things in the house, and tonight after dinner I just had to have some. Just had to. And lo and behold, I go in the freezer and I find something that I can put lemon curd jelly on to satisfy myself. That's a desire, not a preference. Uh huh. Well, yeah, that's a demand. That yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't do without it. I have to go looking now. Yeah. And okay, fine. But it's also a demand that I have to cut out. I have to be perfect at cutting out the sugar, because maybe you just weren't up to it at the moment for whatever reason. It's done. When it's done, it's done. And to then demand of yourself, I shouldn't have gone into the into the freezer for that. I should have been stronger than that, or whatever, is another demand. Okay, now you know. One of the um, uh, opportunities is to see what are skillful ways to cut out sugar, and what are skillful precautions, so that when you want the sugar, despite your desire or you, your decision to cut it out, what are skillful precautions so that you'll just do without it because it isn't in the house, or it isn't in the freezer, or, and you fill in, or. So, yeah, yeah. And it, it the, the preferences versus demands shade into each other, and there's gray areas where it's only if we're present can we see the difference for ourselves. But if we get particularly upset or if we um, start doing contorted things, then we know it, it, we've gone from preference to demand. We could often feel demands if we take a moment and really feel what it's like when we 
can't find, uh, I'll use that example, excuse me for using it, but um, when we can't find sugar, and we, if we stay present and feel how the, I need to have sugar, we, if we feel that, the strength of that, then that helps us to notice the demand aspect of it, or the unmet promise aspect of it, of the promise that it, if I have sugar, everything will be okay, and right now I don't have sugar, and it's not okay, whatever that means. So one way to practice with this is to almost stop ourselves for a few moments and do zazen, standing, sitting, wherever you are for a moment, and just being the moment, being the experiencing, and then trusting ourselves to see what's so, to be what's so, to uh, connect, if I say it in that way, to the life that we are. Most of the time there's no one else to oversee your practice. There's no one else to support you in it, in that moment. There are many beings supporting you. The whole universe is supporting you. All the Buddhas and and bodhisattvas past, present, and future are supporting you, and yet it's you who has to do it at that moment. And it's up to you. Anyone else who wants to bring up something that especially in terms of how this chapter and their practice recently came together. Well, this is Cindy, and I, I guess what I notice is that a lot of times the promise that's not kept has to do with um, other beings, other people, the dog, um, cat, you know, when this person, this dog, starts, you know, being the way I think they should, then, um, I don't know, I don't know exactly what the promise is, but somehow, somehow things are going to be okay in a way that they're not when they're not being the way I think they should. Uh. And it just, I mean, it comes up, you know, this week it came up just over and over and over again. Um, I, I really appreciate the clarity that Joko's words have at pointing to these um, habits so clear about um, this is what's happening, you know, pay attention to it. So... Yeah, it. I, I want to just bring up something on the bottom of page forty-nine, um, the chapter. Um, where she talks about people who 
uh, leave practice, she says, we want to hold on to our belief systems, but if we do, we suffer. In a sense, everything works perfectly. I never care whether anyone leaves practice or enters practice. It doesn't make any difference. Inevitably, the process goes on. It's true that some people in their entire lifetime never seem to learn anything about this process. We all know some people like this. Still, the process goes on, even when they ignore us. Practice, I'll say however, practice lessens our ability to ignore it. After a certain amount of practice, even if we say, well, I'm not going to do this practice, it's too hard, we can't avoid it. After a while, we just practice. Once awareness is awakened, or once this awareness of what practice is awakened, we can't stuff it back into the box. So, I'll leave you with that good thought. Um, well, also good in the sense that it's important that we take care of our practice and not worry how others are or are not doing their practice, except in the immediate interactions that we have with them. Our life and our opportunities will constantly be revealed if we stay present and we work with them. Good. Now, next week... We have Sashin, so we won't be having a class. Um, the week after that, we will do justice. Um, that's a, it's a short chapter, which is good because you'll all be, not all, some of you will be coming out of Sashin, including me, and we'll have less time to um, work with this before the class. Other than that, I hope whether you're in session or not in session, you consider yourself having an ongoing practice. And if you're able to, please join us, even if you're only able to for a short period of time. Any last comments? Anyone wants to bring up anything? Um, I hope all of you are aware that this class is being recorded and therefore it's available online in both a uh, online version and a podcast version. It just takes sometimes a few weeks for it to get put online, but it's on the Zen Center's website. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night.